This is the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're on the balance beam in episode number 107. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Happy to be here for episode number 107. This week I'm hoping is going to be a little bit of a calmer week for me. We're coming down off of uh, the Ultimate Healthy Living Bundle, which was a lot of fun and uh, and just a lot of stuff. I was able to assist at a birth last week, which was amazing. Uh, and I've got another mama who's due any time now, but she's thinking that she's probably going to be a few more days. So I'm hoping for a few days of breathing time just trying to breathe and think, and one of the things that I wanted to do was record an episode of the podcast, so here I am recording for you this week. We're going to talk about a topic that's a little bit of a follow-up from another podcast that I did, and we'll get to that in a minute. I also wanted to let you you guys know how much I appreciated all the feedback I got, Uh, not for last week's podcast episode, though I hope that was helpful to you, but I have been astounded by the feedback that I got from the podcast episode that I did on homeschooling a couple of weeks ago. Literally floored by the response to that one. It's not really a topic that I expected I would get such an incredible amount of response for, but I have. So obviously it's something that resonated with many of you. And I will plan to do a few more follow-up episodes along those lines because I got some great questions in follow-up to that podcast. So I think next week we'll probably do a follow-up and then we'll spread some out over the coming weeks as we tackle other topics too. So those of you who are thinking about homeschooling will be able to get that and we'll keep it balanced out with uh, with birth, baby, and mothering topics too. This week, like I said, we are doing a follow-up, kind of a follow-up, but one of the podcasts that I did recently was a podcast on Um, my thoughts on placenta consumption and kind of the pros and cons on consuming your placenta because that's that's a pretty big thing right now. I won't go back into everything because I feel like I did well on the podcast and one of the reasons I did the podcast was so that I would would be able to say go listen to this podcast and you'll know what my thoughts are. But I had several of you follow up with me. It was good to hear your thoughts, good to hear those of you who agreed, who disagreed. I respect that too. But one of the questions that I got was from was from a mom and multiple moms who felt like the episode resonated with them and they felt like my opinions resonated with them. And so one of the questions they were asking was, if I'm choosing not to have my placenta, what can I do to keep myself feeling balanced and energetic and cheerful, even, stable, I guess? And I, I think that's a really valid question because one of the the proposed benefits of consuming placenta is that it helps you make it through kind of uh, the the lows and the dips in energy and mood and hormones and all of that that happens as your body is transitioning in the postpartum period. So that was a good question, and I've thought about it some. And I wanted to give some suggestions. Of course, we could say that consuming your placenta is certainly a suggestion. Uh, It's not one that I would personally use, though. So these are all things that I might personally consider, and many of them I have personally considered, to help with just help with mood and sense of well-being and how you feel and all of that sort of thing from post in the postpartum time. Uh, Some of these, many of these are going to be early postpartum or can be done early postpartum. 
Some of them are going to be things that you might want to wait for. Uh, but I think that all of them are things that you can consider early, not just early on, but also later on. So even if you're saying my baby's six months or nine months old or a year and I still don't feel like I've really bounced back, I think these are all things that you can consider just as much as a mom who's got a newborn. One of the big keys is hormones. Really, pregnancy, I won't say it does a number on our hormones because that sounds negative. And pregnancy does exactly what it's supposed to to our hormones. But I think that we live in a world that is so very far from the ideal. And I'm not arguing that really it was ever at the ideal, um, at least not in known history really. But especially today, it's so very far from the ideal that there are processes that, that were designed in place for the postpartum mom, even for the pregnant mom. And those things get subverted or they don't happen because there's just not the support there. And in fact, something I'm not, I'm not going to talk about today, um, but something that I do think is important is social support. So that could be a mommy group. It could be a Leche League group. Um, it could be just a group of friends. Maybe you have sisters or cousins having babies at the same time as you. Maybe it needs to be online. I feel like sometimes an in-person group is more powerful for supporting us than an online group. But certainly you can probably find a tribe online too on a Facebook group or something like that. But I, I do think support's important. But we're not going to talk about support today. But I do think that those support systems are important. And that's certainly something that may have been had in many cultures in the past that's not really there in our modern culture unless we really work very intentionally to create that. So that's something just to mull on and to think about. So if you can if you can intentionally seek that, that kind of tribe uh, and that support, that could be something that's helpful too. But let's jump into things that, that we are going to talk about today, thoughts that we are going to talk about. But again, it's, it all really comes down to hormones. So must, much of what I'm going to talk about is meant to either take advantage of hormones or balance hormones because really as we know that uh, depression is often a chemical imbalance we need to look at what do we do to balance those chemicals and especially if you don't want to use medications or you don't feel like it's bad enough to use medications then there are other things that need to be considered now I will always tell any woman that feels that she may need medications that medications may help her from being in a really bad place that that's okay but I also know that many moms don't want to use medications and can cope without them. And if that's you, then I want to give you some strategies. And even if you need to use a medication for a time, bringing these other strategies in may help you to eventually be able to, to move away from using that medication. So with, with all of that preamble, let's jump into things. Number one, this is going to sound very familiar to any of you who have listened to or read or watched anything that I've done. But I really believe that food is a huge part of the equation. And specifically, specifically, I'm going to say when we're talking about balancing energy and mood and well-being in the postpartum period, a huge key is that you need to eat. I think that postpartum women tend to fall into one of two traps, or maybe both alternately. One is that they are just plain not getting enough to eat. They are not eating enough calories. Life is hectic. You're trying to keep up with a baby who has essentially 24-7, 365 kind of needs. For the first year, you may be trying to keep up with a toddler or two and older children as well. Maybe you're trying to take care of your husband. 
Um, as I've discovered recently, many of us are in a sandwich generation where we're also trying to give assistance to aging parents. You may be working. So there are many things that go into the life of a newly postpartum or even been postpartum for a while mom. And a lot of those things get in the way of us really taking care of ourselves. Meals are often snatched up on the go or they're skipped altogether. And what you really need to do is eat. Now before I jump into some tips, let's talk about trap number two is that you eat, but what you eat is garbage. You know, you eat what's easy and it's not necessarily very good for you. And so you end up feeling like garbage. And I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm saying that to bring awareness um, because I believe that it has made a difference for many moms over the course of me teaching now for uh, over a decade. Many moms just simply pointing it out. Are you really eating well? Are you getting enough to eat? Or are you getting enough good food to eat? Helps a lot of moms pause and go, you know what, Kristen? I'm really not. I'm not eating really well. I mean, I think that I am, but then when I'm honest with myself, well, I skipped breakfast for three mornings in a row, and I just ate a couple snacks when the kids ate snacks, and then I, I ate macaroni and cheese for lunch with them because that's what I ate, and it's just like it, it, it ends up being nothing, and what you do eat is low-quality food. So what you need to do, I believe, first and foremost, is eat. Make sure that you're getting enough to eat, and make sure that it's quality food. I feel like one of the things that helps the most with getting quality food and in this period of time is doing a little bit of pre-planning. That could be the night before. It could be every week. It doesn't need to be something fancy. You can take out a sheet of notebook paper or pull a piece of paper off of your printer or open a document on your computer and just write down Monday, eggs, sandwiches, easy casserole. And I don't know what kind of casserole you want that to be. Hamburger casserole or um, baked beans or something. I don't know. Whatever. But, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can just be scrawled out. But then you know what you're going to eat that day. And don't pick menus or meals, I should say meals, that are hard to prepare. Pick things that are easy. Now, one of the things that really does help me, especially with breakfast, because I tend to skip breakfast, um, if I don't know that I have to make breakfast for Scott, which I don't right now because he's not working outside the home. So I don't have to make meals for him and the kids eat oatmeal every morning. And, and I actually think that oatmeal is a pretty good thing to eat postpartum. But Sadie is um, just about 20 months old now and I don't need the oatmeal for milk supply and I don't want to eat that much carbohydrate every single morning. Some mornings, sure. So anyways... I end up in a situation where I don't have to make food for Scott, so I'm not motivated to get up and make food because he'll make, he makes an omelet. I don't really care for eggs all that much, so it makes, makes it hard for me to eat breakfast with him every morning, though I'm sure he would make an omelet for me every morning. Um, and I don't want to eat oatmeal, so what I end up doing is not eating very well. I'm using this because it's a real-life example. Something, however, that does work very well for me uh, to help me eat is to pre-plan and and to make in advance for myself. So one of the recipes, I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before, that I really like is protein pancakes. And specifically, I like the recipe from the Trim Healthy Mama cookbook. Um, 
and I'm trying to remember right now what the official name of the recipe is, and I can't remember it. But anyways, it's it's the protein pancakes in the Trim Healthy Mama cookbook, and their ingredients are a little bit of oats, uh, cottage cheese, and eggs, or egg whites. So there's only th- really three ingredients in them, and they're very easy to make. And one batch of the recipe makes three mornings worth. So I can make those basically twice a week and cover the entire weekend. And we have something a little bit different on Saturday morning. So I can cover the entire week with with two times. Or I can double the recipe, say, on a Sunday morning when I've got a little bit more time. And then put them in the freezer for the rest of the week. And then I just pull them out and sprinkle like a, a dollop of yogurt on there and some frozen fruit. And I'm good to go. So that's that's another example of thinking ahead. Because I know my tendency is to skip breakfast. I did it this morning, so I'm just as guilty as you ladies are. My tendency is to skip breakfast, and I know that I need to do something about that. Um, Right now, we're doing really simple lunches, which I hope Scott doesn't get tired of very soon. Because because what I'm doing for most lunches is just making a, a salad, a big salad. So, And when I say big, it's like this is a huge bowl. It's actually meant to be a food storage bowl, so it's probably the size of like three normal bowls. And so I fill that with basically a head of lettuce each for Scott and I. And then I put whatever salad veggies we have on hand, cucumber, tomato, sweet peppers, radishes, avocado, whatever it is that we've got on hand in that week. Um, Often I'll I'll put pre-cooked chicken, which is another thing that I think ahead about. I'll do a sheet of chicken thigh or chicken breast, depending on what was less expensive for me to get uh, in the oven, sprinkled with our favorite spices, bake that. And then let that cool, put into slices and freeze that. And then they that the slices thaw very quickly on the top of the salad. So that makes a nice protein for the salad. Sometimes I'll also do hard-boiled eggs. Or if I don't have the chicken, I'll just do hard-boiled eggs. And ironically, I'm usually okay with eating hard-boiled eggs. It's just the... I don't like scrambled eggs very much. I like fried eggs okay. But anyways... That's my tangent on eggs. But I'll do hard-boiled eggs, sometimes a little bit of cheese, sometimes some cottage cheese on the salad. These are things that I like. If you don't like them, you don't have to do them. But basically, it just fills out to a really filling salad and then oil and vinegar for a dressing or we sometimes buy Walden Farms dressings from the store, which are pretty good. And uh, our low sugar, low, low everything, essentially. So they let the salad be the good stuff for you. But basically, that big salad takes only a few minutes to put together, and if I haven't thought through anything else for lunch, I know that that's going to work. And then for dinners, I try and be really simple. I tend to do one skillet-type dinners, or I like to do dinners in the crock-pot slow cooker, or I like to do soups. Again, all very simple things on most nights. But I do find that giving a little forethought, a little planning helps me make sure that those meals actually materialize and that I don't just eat poorly. In the afternoons, we tend to have, Scott and I tend to have a smoothie for a snack. And that's really easy to put together and to make. And we do our own kefir. So again, I'm using my life as a real life example for you, but sharing some ways that I make things easy. When I'm early postpartum, I also tend to have a morning snack. And also when I'm pregnant... Um, so if those of you who are early postpartum, breastfeeding is just getting established or your baby's still taking in the majority of their milk from you. I mean, at this point, Sadie nurses still, but she's not nursing as constantly as she was because she's eating a lot more food. So for me, 
I just don't need that level of energy. But early postpartum and pregnancy, I do. So again, thinking through, it doesn't have to be fancy. It can be simple. It doesn't have to be gourmet for anybody. It doesn't have to impress anybody. But it does need to nourish you. So make sure you're getting enough. Another thing that I would advise when we're looking at food, obviously avoid junk. Try and make, and, and, and making from scratch doesn't really have to be hard, ladies. I use, we use canned tomato products, like tomato sauce, with relative frequency, but otherwise most of our stuff is not processed boxed stuff. And I would not call my cooking fancy by any stretch of the imagination. It's very basic, very simple, so you can do it. Um, but another thing is make sure you have good healthy fats in your food. Those are going to be super crucial for your sense of well-being. If you are not getting enough healthy food in your diet, your milk supply will struggle, and your brain really, really, really needs that healthy fat. So do yourself a favor and make sure that you're getting that in there. When I was talking about my salad, um, that oil that I put in the salad, olive oil and vinegar, like cider vinegar or red wine vinegar or what we usually use, sometimes balsamic vinegar if we want to be really fancy. But anyways, it's the oil that's really the good stuff. And if I'm doing a salad using one of the Walden Farms dressings, which is low carb and low fat because it's more of a vinegar base, um, I try and make sure that we've got avocados. Maybe that's a good time to have the cheese, the cottage cheese getting those healthy dairy fats in there and that healthy fat from the avocados. Something like olives might be good in that instance because usually we're having chicken or turkey or something on there. The eggs have good fats in there, so eggs are another good one. But make sure that you're getting those good fats. If you're eating oatmeal in the morning to help with your milk supply, um, have the cream, have the butter with your oatmeal and that can be good. If you're trying to avoid heavy carbs in the morning, maybe because you're wanting to help balance hormones, leptin is one that you generally avoid carbs in the morning for, and we can talk more about that. But, you know, make sure still that you're getting the healthy fats. So you're having eggs in the morning. Um, or if, oh, it's, it's trim healthy pan breads and pancakes. That's the recipe I'm thinking of, the protein pancakes. But again, those probably have the good healthy fats for you to start the morning with. can put a little bit of butter on there or that um, whole fat yogurt or something. So you're having the good food, you're getting the good fats in there, um, and you're not skipping out on that because your body really needs that. If you can add in fish a few times a week, that's really good. I'm a big believer in taking cod liver oil still. But um, I think that other fish oil is not really useful. Eat the real fish. Eat the fish. And, uh, and just get those healthy fats into your diet day in and day out so that you're nourishing your brain. It helps boost your milk supply. Those good fats are going through your milk. Really important to hormone production, uh, those healthy fats are. So you're definitely going to want to have those in there. Now the next tip, once we move outside of eating, is I want you to realize that oxytocin is your friend. And it's not just in pregnancy, it's not just during childbirth, but lifelong. Oxytocin, oxytocin is called the calm and connection hormone for a reason. It's the hormone that helps you feel balanced. I believe it takes, it's, maybe it sounds counter, counterintuitive, but I think it takes work to bring oxytocin into your life. Because we live in societies that are so high-strung, that are so connected, that are so always on, 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 always really pushing, um, you know, our planners and deadlines and everything are always there, that we've moved away from those relaxed times. So if we think about peoples in the past, 
sometimes, you know, we think about situations like the Industrial Revolution where there was lots of stress going on there, periods of slavery for various peoples throughout the world and at various times throughout the history of the world. Those were stressful situations. But when we think about situ when we think about like even early agricultural situations, um, herding cultures, hunter-gatherer cultures, you know, you think that they had times where there were intense bits of activity, even seasons we're talking about early agriculture but there were also seasons where there was more rest or you know went out on a hunt and then or on a gathering trip or on the move with the herds but then you settle in and there's a lot more sitting and talking and bonding and so there's some relaxation there's more leisure time perhaps and I believe that's something we've really lost in our modern world and we have to consciously try and bring that back. I would hope, and this I guess kind of ties back into the community, but that you can do it somewhat with community. Um, you know, enjoying fellowship with friends and family. Maybe enjoying showing hospitality to those less fortunate than you, but still, you know, being able to bring them in or serve them. And then sit around and really connect with them on a human level. All of those things are oxytocin boosters. But especially when you're a busy mom... Sometimes it might be hard to think about doing those things that involve others. So I really want you to think about the things that, um, that involve you. So what can you do intentionally throughout your day to bring those moments of refreshment, to bring those moments of relaxation in? And they might be something uh, like sitting with your child and doing something with your child, especially if you've got an older child. They want to show you something. They want to interact with you. They want to snuggle with you. They want you to read a book. Just be willing to put aside everything else and take a minute to rest in that pool of quiet, that pool of, again, relationship with them. Um, and also, you know, look for other times during your day when you feel really tense. This is something I've been really trying to figure out in our family is like when the tension levels are mounting, which tend to be cleanup times especially, what can I do? To help kind of crack that tension, bring that level down because it feels almost like you can cut it with a knife. And so one of the things is, um, is I can put music on that I really enjoy. I can sing. I can get up and start helping with little things here and there so that they see me up and active. And I'm singing, which helps me keep my mood lifted. And that helps to diffuse the tension in that situation. Or even when I'm feeling really rough, music is a good one for me. So putting on music, and this is, this is something I do differently now than when I was young. So when I was a teenager and I felt rotten, I would put on music where the singers felt equally rotten and were singing about their woes, and so we were all commiserating together. And I just, I don't know, maybe you have some real respect for artists who are totally commiserating with misery, but I, I think that is not a good strategy for us to carry forward into our adult lives. It's better to pick music that can be uplifting to us, that can help us to focus on the positive if music is something powerful for you. So it could be classic music that's very stirring. Movie soundtracks, I think, are often very good because, again, often they have that really stirring quality to them. Um, it could be music you want to sing with, so it's more uplifting music that you can just sing and enjoy dance with it just it up, uplifts you to be there and that might be might be pop music for you it might be praise and worship kind of music whatever it is put that on if music is good for you that's a good thing that's an oxytocin booster other things um, petting your pets changing the atmosphere of the room so 
um, incense or candles, something that brings in pleasant scents to the room can help activate oxytocin. Um, we talked about music, changing the atmosphere as far as lighting is going. So bringing the lighting down, lighting a candle at the dinner table, that sort of thing. All of these are little things to do to kind of mellow the atmosphere. So when you think about what would I do to mellow out, what would I do to relax? Find something you can do. I think one of the tendencies is, oh, well, this and this and this would work, but I just can't do that with where my life is right now. So yeah, you can't do that, whatever that is. There are things you can do. So think about it. What can you do? What helps? Maybe it's it's escaping to the bathroom for a few minutes to read a few paragraphs in a book that's on the back of the toilet. Maybe it's taking a bath. Maybe it's taking a shower Whatever it is for you, maybe it's petting the cat or the dog or going out on a walk. You know, there are different things that you can think about that can help you. So you don't have to do all of this at once, right? So this can be progressive. So I think music is an easy one for me to start with. So when I'm feeling really rough, when I feel that tension, I'm going to start singing. I'm going to put the music on. I'm going to start singing. Or if Scott's playing a playlist that's not one I can sing along with, I'm going to ask him, can we put on a playlist that I can sing to because I think that'll really help me. That sort of thing. So start slowly. And then as you think of ways to add in other things, especially if you can make them part of your daily routine so that even if tension grows, even if you're really struggling with the blues, those things are there, almost like a little oasis in your day for you to rest in. I think those are really good. And of course, activating that connection cycle helps keep the fight or flight cycle, the adrenaline cycle away and can help your um, hormones from not, for not getting burnt out. Exercise is another big one. I think exercise is really important. I want to urge you to be careful with exercise, especially if you're dealing with something like adrenal fatigue or thyroid problems or leptin imbalances, anything like that. You want to be careful and gradually start up exercise because while hormones are healing, you don't want to take it too fast. But I think that most of us can benefit from getting some exercise in the day. And I should I should be more, you know, Katie Bowman-ish um, and say that movement really especially is key. That just getting some movement into our day. Again, we go back to our to our tribal people, to our nomadic herding people, and think about what were they doing a lot of the day? Our hunter-gatherers, they were walking. And again, even when we think back to early people in, in more modern civilizations or the beginnings of more modern civilizations, even as we moved uh, into our current countries and things like that, a lot of the day was still spent walking, wandering, being up, being more active. So that walking is good for you. And it's something that you can do even with a baby in tow, even with a toddler, even with a bunch of kids in tow. Find a safe place where you can take a gentle walk every day to begin with, and I believe that will help. Another thing that really helps for with hormone balance, and this is one that you would want to build up too, is doing something like resistance training. That can be very good for you. And so when I say resistance training, I'm talking about like a little bit of weight training, maybe not necessarily isolated weight training in order to build the biceps, but you can even start off with something like daily squats. Uh, a squat is a great complex resistance training exercise, but the what they've found is that these short bursts of high intensity 
resistance training exercises and you can do weight bearing exercises um, I like I think it's called body by you is the routine that I use it's actually a book I don't know if he's got a DVD I should look for it though but he's got YouTube clips to show each and every exercise in the book which is helpful that's a complete body weight routine so you don't have to have weights to do it I really like it it can be done in like 10 minutes a day so uh, and he's got pro progressively you move up progressively in difficulty very good routine Anyways, so it can be as simple as body weight exercises, or you could actually bring in, um, you know, some sort of resistance training equipment, whatever. But the, that's really good for hormone health, is what they've found. That sort of um, that sort of exercising. What they found is that intensive cardio or aerobic exercise is not really very good. So the resistance training, also short bursts of running like sprints, are good. Um, Again, you can work up to more of an endurance thing, but it needs to be balanced by lots of that more high-intensity exercise to be healthy for your body. Um, I know that a lot of mamas get into doing training for 5Ks and marathons and things like that, and if that's your thing, that's fine, but I especially want to caution you that if you're having trouble with energy levels, focusing on healing that first and what heals that might be best for you unless you know the marathon is just really going to help give you a high that's going to last for a while then that could be positive but especially when we're talking about hormones think about what kind of exercise regimes or protocols are going to be good for hormones another important thing is rest getting good rest I know this can be hard with a newborn and actually the live video that I'm going to do um, this week, which I think the podcast will go live after I do the video, so you can go back and look at it. I'll try and remember to come and add it to the show notes, but is on setting good sleep habits for your newborn. Um, and I think that that's important that that we think about what can we do, not just say, oh my gosh, I've got young children and this time of life is just not going to get any sleep. Uh, to an extent, there is truth to that. To an extent. Um, but in reality, the we can help our children get good sleep and we can be proactive with finding ways to make sure that we are reasonably well rested probably not as well rested as if you had an empty nest true but reasonably well rested so we, and one thing that i think that conscious attachment parenting kinds often get into the trap of oh my gosh i'm not going to get any sleep because to try and force my child to sleep is not respectful and i'm not using cry it out and i i've i've taught quite a bit on sleep already like i said i'm doing a live video focusing on newborns um but so I won't rehash it all, but I really do firmly believe that for the most part, we can help our children learn to be good sleepers. And I'm a big fan of co-sleeping because I feel like that really facilitates that, especially in the early days. I'm also a fan of not having toddlers in my bed. I'll be honest with you there. Um, so, But I generally will have them in my room for quite a while. So again, Sadie's 20 months. She's been out of our bed for a few months now. And... She, but she's still in our room, and I like it that way. I feel like everybody gets the rest that they need. Now, sometimes she'll have a rough night, and throughout her babyhood and for all my other kids, there were rough nights from time to time, but usually those did not last a long time once the cause was gone or if it was just a random rough night, which did happen. Usually it was only one night. 
So again, find ways to help your child learn good sleep habits. And that might mean that you take a class like Go to Sleep. It might mean that you read a book. There's good good books out there that don't always focus on cry it out. You might ask another parent whom you respect their opinion. Um, But there are ways that you can figure that out. And then I also encourage you, it's totally cliche, but sleep when the baby sleeps. Please sleep. And especially if you're overcoming something like adrenal fatigue or something like that, you may need extra sleep. Uh, Go easy on yourself. Give yourself a break. Take the rest time that you need to rest. Be creative in finding times to rest. Don't stay up really late. One of the things that is really wreaking havoc on hormones today is screen time and staying up really late, not respecting the natural rhythm of our day. If you want to have quiet time without the kids, I would encourage you to consider becoming a morning person. And I do fully feel that that is a choice, whether you are a nighttime person or a morning person. It may not be your natural tendency, But ultimately, it is your choice which one of those you are. And we could do an entire podcast on that, of course. So I won't go there. But that's just my firm belief. But I think it's better for you to go to bed earlier and get up earlier than your kids if you really value that quiet time. I believe it helps in a multitude of ways than it is to stay up way later than them and then drag yourself out of bed in the morning when they're bouncing around and ready to go. I also believe it does... It does help your hormones a lot. Um, And then taking that nap at that low point in the day or even just closing your eyes and resting for a bit can be really helpful. Most of us have that low point and it's probably early afternoon for most of us, maybe mid-afternoon. But about the time your little ones are probably napping, you may could use a few minutes to close your eyes or just to sit even in your chair. Close your eyes for a minute, breathe, consciously relax and let go of tension and that sort of thing. So that can really help. Okay, supplements, I do believe that supplementing wisely has a place in helping with balancing hormones. I already mentioned cod liver oil. I think that's really good. I don't necessarily think that's going to be a direct energy booster, but it's nourishing. Um, And it's a food-based supplement that I think overall just has positive effects. Something else that I believe is important is getting enough magnesium. And you can do like a magnesium tea such as Natural Calm. Uh, for that, or you can do like Epsom salt baths, which is one of my favorites because then you combine a relaxing bath with Epsom salts, and so that's really nice. Um, or you could do like a, a CalMag supplement, could work really well too. Slow Mag, Scott actually takes Slow Mag, and that's that's a nice brand of kind of time release magnesium that works really well for him. He also has some muscle cramp issues, and it helps with that. Uh, Another big one is vitamin D. So supplementing vitamin D can help. I also believe in the power of getting out in the sun. This kind of ties back into that exercise and also nourishing yourself. Getting out in the sunlight for a little bit every day really helps with our hormones and balancing them. We just need to get out. We're meant to be out in nature. We're meant to be part of nature, and therefore we're meant to be part of that sun cycle. You may stay away from the sun at the hottest parts of the day, um, and when the sun is at its highest point in the sky, but maybe if you can get out earlier in the day or in the afternoon or both for a short walk with your kids, you'll probably find that that helps everybody, and that will probably also positively help sleep cycles. Um, 
And that also reminds me, I didn't mention it was screen time, but if you can do something to block out blue light, even if you need to be using screens late at, late at night, that will help with your sleep time and with not getting that unnatural light late at, at night. So if you can use either blue, blue light blocking glasses or many devices have apps on them now. I know Kindles and iPhones have it. Um, Flux is an app you can install on a... Um, on Windows devices. I don't know about Macintoshes, guys, because I don't have a Mac. But Flux you can install on Windows devices and that 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 takes that blue light out. I use that. I use the blue blocker on all of my devices because sometimes I'm on the computer later in the evening. Um, and like right now all the read alouds that I'm doing with my kids are on my Kindle. So I'm using blue a blue blocker while we're reading The Horse and His Boy to the whole family and we're reading The Fellowship of the Ring with the older kids. So I've got the little blue blocker app active on my Kindle. But anyways, so that's that's kind of tied in with that light. You want to keep the light patterns natural. And then at night, sleep in the dark. If you're worried about any type of fertility issues, this is the light is another really good thing to keep in mind. Um, so... Again, being out in the light, and that was kind of a spinoff of vitamin D there. But if you some some women really do benefit from taking extra vitamin D. Maca powder is another supplement. Maca is a superfood like cod liver oil. It's not really a supplement, so it's also very good to use for balancing hormones. It's a Peruvian root, and I got we got maca with the Ultimate Healthy Living Bundle, which was really cool, but maca powder is relatively inexpensive it's easy to add to smoothies and things and it helps balance hormones another i think maca is pretty safe for everybody pregnant moms nursing moms dads everybody um one that you can consider for moms that you should use with a little bit more caution but can be helpful especially as you're getting back to the to the point where your nursling is older um, and not nursing so much and you're looking towards possibly conceiving again if you're still having a lot of hormonal imbalance Vitex or Chaste it's also Chaste Berry it's the same thing is one that many women find very promising it's, it takes time to find results with it it's like a cumulative effect so really you don't want to measure the effects that you're getting with it before like four even six weeks so make sure that you do that but that's one that can be a good one to look at um Heather from Natural Fertility Info has a really good article on Vitex, so I'm going to link to that in the show notes for you. Um, and actually, if you're looking at hormonal balancing for trying to conceive, she's got a good one on maca too. So maybe I'll also maybe I'll also link to that one. Um, but yeah, so other supplements. I think that taking a good broad spectrum multi or multi powder can be a good idea right now. Um, I'm taking Seeking Health's prenatal formula just because I always take a prenatal formula. Um, and I've been giving Scott just their adult multi. It's in a powder form, so it can go right in the smoothie. Though I usually take the prenatal one. The scoop is like a lot bigger than the regular adult one. So I usually mix that into a little almond milk to make a little shake um, early in the morning. And that one can actually be kind of energizing. There are other energizing supplements that may or may not be safe for pregnancy or breastfeeding, so we could do a full episode devoted to diving into those if y'all are interested. 
um, because we're getting close to the 40 minute mark here. So the other thing that I want to encourage you when looking at supplements is what to avoid. And I would really encourage you, if, if at all possible, avoid caffeine because you're wanting to help your body balance itself back out. You're wanting to help get back to that place where you can carry your own equilibrium. And a little caffeine now and then could be good, but you know, if you really need it, but otherwise I would try and wean yourself away from it and really nourish your body uh, in and of itself. Another thing to really look at and try to avoid, try and phase out of your life is chemical imbalancers. So those are things like plastics, toxic cleaners, all those things. We can't get rid of all of that in our environment. We just can't get rid of all of it. But you can go a long way to reducing the toxin burden that's around you immediately. So slowly phase out um, harsh cleaning products, phase in green cleaners. One of the things that I've been really surprised by, because when I when I first tried to go green several years ago, it just didn't work very well because those products didn't work very well. But I've been really surprised. We've been members of Grove Collaborative for a year now. And I've slowly been trying different things from them. Um, I have a post I'll link to in the show notes about our experience with Grove. But I've been trying things and I've been really surprised to find that those cleaners actually really work very well. And it's cool because I have been able to slowly start phasing out the more toxic um, traditional cleansers and bring in natural-based cleansers that that work well for my family and that are also good for my family. Um, and then we've tried, we try to use as much as possible things that are freer from plastics. We still do use plastics, but like, for instance, we milk our goats and we put their milk into, into glass jars and that sort of thing. So what you can do, and again, I think this one's a phasing one, kind of like the oxytocin, and even the eating. Take baby steps at first. Don't let any of this be overwhelming. Phase little things in. Do research into hormone balancing little by little. Make small changes over time. And over time, those add up to big results for your health, for your family's health, for the health of your community and your environment. Um, But, you know, little steps over time, and they really build up. I wrote a big post that went live not too long ago um, on trying to conceive. And I would just encourage those of you listening to this episode with interest to read that, not necessarily because I think you're trying to conceive anytime soon, but because many of the steps in that post, and it's it's a mammoth post, kind of like my five-step labor prep and, and my ultimate guide to a healthy pregnancy, It is a mammoth post, but really the steps in there are steps geared towards hormone balance. And I talk about this this environmental impact and that sort of thing, reducing the chemical load. I talk about light. um, I talk about diet and those sorts of things. So I think that post is going to be a good foundational post because it is focused on balancing hormones to restore fertility. And I also believe it's going to restore energy and just help you with your sense um, your sense of well-being and all those things. So I'll link to that post in the show notes for you as well. Now there are other things that you can do. Like we could specifically talk about hormones like leptin, like insulin, um, like thyroid hormone, all of those. And we can do that on another episode if y'all are interested in really digging into the nitty gritty. And I've got a couple of resources that I can recommend for you that really dig into that. So I'll plan to do maybe a follow-up episode that goes into healing your hormones even more in detail than this. But my hope is that this episode has given you some baby steps, um, has impacted 
empowered you to think that there are some ways that I can recapture that sense of well-being, that I can recapture those energy levels by taking small steps, by working on cleaning up my environment, nourishing myself, getting out in the sun, doing that little bit of exercise, finding that little oasis for yourself during the day. All these little things that will add up to cumulatively more healthy you. I don't know if that sentence was grammatically correct at all, ladies, but it was there. Okay, gals. um, So I will link to those things in the show notes, which I think gives you a lot to explore. Um, I want to encourage you, again, there's lots of series continuations coming up. We'll talk more about healing hormones. We'll talk more about homeschooling. Uh, I just, I have lots and lots and lots of plans. We're going to finish up, this will be a post on the website and not a podcast, but we're going to finish up the post on home birth and why to consider home birth, how to consider home birth, which is one that a lot of you have been waiting for. I'm just a lot going on, a lot coming up through the end of the year as I am recording this. So I would encourage you to jump on my mailing list so that you can keep up with all of that. I also send out a quick little email every day, usually only a few paragraphs, that's inspirational, um, and you get the weekly newsletter as well. So I hope that if you feel like this is connected with you and that you could use that little daily dose of inspiration even between podcasts, that you'll check that out. Um, You can hit that at trustbirth101.com trustbirth101.com that will get you to one of the newsletter sign up pages another thing is i'm i've gotten it going for the past couple weeks so we're doing live streaming on youtube live and also simultaneously on facebook live so you can check that out on wednesday mornings around 11:30 a.m. eastern i'm just doing a reader or listener question on that and i'm hoping to actually launch um a weekly podcast from that. It will be the same as the live video, come out likely the day after the live video, but that'll just be 10, it's 10 or 15 minutes, so much shorter. So that's coming up too. So if you have any kind of short questions, then I can add them to my list for the Just Ask Kristen podcast. So that's something else exciting. You will know all the details about that as you listen to this podcast. And also, um, as you subscribe, check out the newsletter, those little inspirational emails. Trustbirth101.com is a quick way to get there. With that, I am going to let you go. I hope that you have a blessed week this week, and I am really looking forward to next week and the next several weeks on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.